The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at TNTradio.live. Dean Mackin. Dean Mackin. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Indeed it is, and welcome. I hope your day has gone very well. If it's just beginning, I hope you have a wonderful day. And of course, we're getting very close to the weekend, and I, for one, despite the fact I'll be working for most of it, am very much looking forward to it. I hope you are as well, but not working. That would be even nicer. Um, lots to talk about today and people to talk to. I'll be talking to Jeremy Beck uh, a bit later this hour, Craig Kelly coming up imminently, and of course, the wonderful Gemma Cooper on standby to uh, give us all the latest news that's happening around the world. Lots of stuff. Wow. Where do you begin today? And I'm getting addicted to X.com. I used to be on Facebook a lot. And then I asked myself the question, why am I on Facebook? There's nothing of any major importance on there. Everything's watered down. If the truth is on there, which is very, very seldom that they haven't already shadow banned it or blocked it, um, you'll have some little disclaimer down the bottom telling you why that's not true when you know fully well that it is true. So again, I found myself increasingly on X.com. And once you get used to the platform, it's much, much uh, nicer to use and certainly a lot more interesting in the videos you get to watch. One of the things that popped up in my feed was a post from, I do believe from memory, it was um, Corey Bernardi who shared a video and a rather lengthy video uh, coming up on almost an hour of some very high quality GoPro footage worn obviously on the chest or uh, there were various angles, by the way, um, for this chest. Uh, on top of the helmet of this battle in the Ukraine um, against Russian soldiers from the Ukrainian perspective, if you want to call it the Ukrainian perspective, because I heard them all speaking in English with crystal clear British and Australian accents. So, you know, these aren't people fighting over there uh, for old mate Vladimir Zelensky. These aren't patriots. These are people being paid. These are mercenaries over there. This is why they want all the money. They've run out of people to go and fight that war. And I'm sure uh, Vladimir Putin would be more than aware of this. I, I think he's rather tolerant of the fact that we're sending so many of our own. And who would, could you imagine being the parents of, you know, one of those British or Australian soldiers over there? I mean, just cannon fodder, absolute cannon fodder. There is no amount of money that could justify um, you being over there unless you're some sort of thrill seeker with a death wish. Unbelievable. During the video, there are at least two people on the Ukrainian side, you know, um, Brits and Aussies, who, who are hit. Uh, one of them doesn't look too well by the end of it. And they are constantly being bombarded with these, what they call suicide drones. And I would suggest the Russians have a bunch of them. And again, I mean, you have a look at the percentage of people in this battle. And I, again, it only went for about an hour that we saw. And they didn't do too well. It would be like playing Russian roulette and probably worse, probably uh, uh, flip a coin. See if you survive this one battle. You know, I wouldn't imagine that they're just going over there having one battle uh, for a couple of weeks and then going home. Or maybe they are. Maybe it's some sort of uh, tourism, you know, mercenary tourism. I just think it's absolutely horrific. I, I feel so very sorry for the parents of those people going over there, risking their lives for an unjust war, one that the Ukraine um, absolutely cannot win and will not win. It just, um, I would be mortified 
to think that, you know, your own son or daughter would be over there fighting that war and worse still just doing it for money, risking their life, everything that you put into them to raising them as children. And here they are risking their lives to fight a rich man's war. It's over, um, it's over assets, it's over things. You know, it's not about people, the people running this war, uh, you know, the, the West who are running this and uh, sending people again like cannon fodder over to die for their assets, for their control, and uh, to push NATO to a point where the Russians will need to respond and it could escalate into World War Three. Absolutely horrific, but just, you know, from a personal perspective, I mean, imagine that was, you know, your own son or daughter over there fighting for money, for, you know, a rich man's war. Wow, it's horrific. It would almost, if you thought about it too much, would bring tears to the eyes. Uh, the insurance industry, according to an article in the ABC today, and you know, I don't believe much of what they say, but certain things give you a pretty good perspective on what's going on. And this is probably factual. Um, the insurance industry has been accusing claim management services for misleading customers and increasing premiums. Now, anybody that's had a lot to do with insurance companies, and I never had until I bought a house on a lake, and now I, I kind of do. Um, these people uh, can be horrific. They are absolutely horrific, and they are pushing premiums up. They are pushing the price of, of everything up. You know, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. Things you clearly don't need to do, but they do and charge the insurance company for. And um, you've probably, if you've ever had a claim in a flood area, uh, especially when it's been a massive flood or floods all over the country, these people just go gangbusters. And it's like money for nothing and your checks for free uh, in this particular case. But um, I don't know, insurance industry, why the hell you employ third party people to do this? Why don't you just employ your own people to do it? And this is the point that I'm getting to people. When you get these people come out and they say, oh, you need this and you need that and we need to sanitize this and we're going to do that. Um, you know, seriously, ring the company, ask for a cash settlement um, for that and get it done yourself. Get your own people in, stand there, supervise them, make sure it gets done. I remember, you know, having a look the first time when I left it all to the insurance company, they sent the painters, they sent all the people to do the work. And then I read what they charged for. We're going to acid wash the walls. We're going to do this. We're going to replace that panel and that panel. They don't do any of it. They just come over and paint straight over the top, do whatever they have to do, bare minimum, get cheap labour up from Sydney up to the Central Coast and uh, Newcastle. You, you can imagine who that is. You know, uh, I'm sure I've painted a, a vivid enough picture of that. But the whole thing is just an absolute rot. And insurance companies, I mean, seriously, if you want this done right and if you want to save, I mean, a bunch of money, why don't you just get your own people that you can trust who can't possibly profit from any of that to do the job. And I think everybody, including us, the insured, would be immensely happier. Common sense, really, isn't it? Why do people outsource work? Yeah, I just don't get it, especially where those that you outsource can profit by it. Ludicrous. And here they are, upset. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, why not give TNT Radio a follow? We are on all of the major social media platforms, including Facebook, X, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. And you can help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here at TNT. The latest headlines waiting for you. I follow the news pretty much throughout the day. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It is that time when we get to cross all the way over into the UK with the wonderful Gemma Cooper. Gemma, how are you going? Yeah, very well. Thank you, Dean. I love that story about the insurance. My granny, she used to say, such homespun wisdom, she used to say, the insurance men, they're bloody robbers, Gemsy. And it's still <laughs> carrying on, isn't it? Still carrying on. 
I have to, but you know what? The insurance companies, I'll be honest, they weren't that bad. I mean, when you have mass loss, I mean, your whole house is under a meter or more of water. You just take photos of, of everything that's obviously in the water, has been under the water. You send it to them in a spreadsheet. This is what I had. This is, this is what the new one's worth and a link to where they can buy that. And they'll literally just, you know, add it up and send you a, a check and you go out and buy all the replacement stuff new for old. They're, ter they're terrific. I've had no problems with insurance companies. It's these intermediary ones that, that come out. And the first one was just absolutely horrific. We had a video of them um, having scaffolding. We're talking five guys set up scaffolding over two days and then they left it here for weeks. Must have cost them $10,000 or more for this scaffolding to replace a single gutter and the back of my house that came down in storm conditions when it was raining and, the, and it flooded. Here's the best part. When we replaced that roof a year later, I watched two guys replace that same guttering by simply standing up on the edge of the roof, bending over and going pop, pop, pop with a rivet gun and who did the whole thing in an hour. I mean, this is just some of the ludicrous stuff that happened. And these guys, when they were taking down the scaffolding, stood on the recently replaced roof and put all dints in it. And luckily the wife caught that on video. So they did more damage than, than, than they possibly could ever have fixed. So my, my advice is to people, when you get a, a lot of damage to your home, remember you can insist on a cash payout. They'll give you the equivalent they've been quoted and you can get your own people and shop around and do all that, get the best people to do it. It's just, but most people don't, they just let, leave it all to the insurance, you know, the, the intermediaries. It's not a good idea. Well, there we go. There endeth the insurance lesson from Dean. Yeah, good good advice. Good advice. I think it works maybe slightly differently in the UK. You do get the cash payouts. I don't know why we're talking about insurance, actually. It's not news headlines, but it's money, isn't it? And money is, we earn it. It's hard to come by. Uh, and then, you know, these corporate bodies want to take it. And then, and then some, what it is in the UK with insurance is it's so difficult. They'll always find a clause for this or a clause for that where they'll say, oh, you know, sorry, we can't pay out of that. Actually, after all, you painted it blue when you should have painted it green. Anything at all, anything to talk yeah. to stop paying out you know because they're corporate bodies and they're owned by the banks and all the stuff we talk about here on tnt all the time but i do remember my gran she was good you know she was she did what she was told a lot of the time but when it came they used to knock on the door you know and they no no don't answer the door to the insurance people <laughs> she, <laughs> i love it she was all right yeah she was good my granny she was good anyway on to some headlines onto some headlines because that's what we're all about here at tnt um and i think these headlines you know they're an illustration of what goes on at a global level affects behavior literally on the street yeah. um, and I think it was only a matter of time before we saw the official figures here in the UK at least about anti-semitism um, attacks on Jewish people here now in the UK it's been revealed today um, both political parties have come out in force against these th what's been revealed um, every single one of, of the UK's 43 police forces has seen an explosion, they're saying, in violent crime and assaults against Jewish people since October the 7th, uh, all in the wake of the Hamas terror attacks. Um, uh, Anti-Semitic incidents have allegedly risen by 147% in the last few months since October the 7th. They're just official recorded crimes that the police have documented and, and investigated. Um, and, the, and the UK Home Secretary, James Cleverly, this morning is absolutely saying, you know, this is deplorable, he'll do everything he can. And the shadow uh, Home Secretary as well, Yvette Cooper, she's come out and said we must we must tackle this as a matter of priority. I mean, the attacks themselves, you know, when you when you look at this, it's a it's it's it is it is distressing, you know. And don't forget these these are just people; they're not involved in global policies. These are people on the street. Um, fake firearms have been involved. Knives. Uh, Jewish people have been hit with metal bars or other objects. Uh, things have been thrown at them. They've been punched, kicked, spat on. 
uh, their clothing or religious items that that signify, signify their, their their race and religion have been removed. Uh, religion, rather, cars have been driven at them. Um, also, a lot of the attacks are ch on are children are happening in schools uh, by children against other children, Jewish children, and also in um, universities. Um, there have been a lot of, of anti-Semitic attacks. Um, there, they, there has definitely been a huge spike. The week after October the seventh saw the biggest spike, but uh, but the organisation in the UK that's tasked to protect Jewish people has said, looking at the evidence, you know, that the, the attacks haven't gone down, and it's it, it is all forty three forces. Although the majority of the attacks have taken place. Um, in London, uh, it's still a, a cause for concern. Uh, and, and a lot of these attacks, they say, have taken place at vigils uh, for the Israeli hostages. Uh, so that's really where we are with, with anti-Semitism here in the UK today, literally today. And as I say, both political parties have come out and said, look, that this, ha this has got to be tackled. Quite how they go about that, nobody's gone into the details. Um, but it is, I think, an illustration of how global tensions, uh, you know, uh, uh, filter down. And I'm sure this won't just be happening in the UK. And people get very triggered. It's a very polarizing issue. And then, and then behavior on the street. There is some video footage circling around as well. You talked about video footage at the top of the hour there, Dean. Um, there's some video footage of an attack that, that one outlet is running. And it, it, it is violent. It's, it's quite distressing to watch, actually. Um, and, and you think, look, these people against people is not government against government or organization against organization. That the, but it is an indication, I think, of how tensions globally manifest on a street level. Yeah, it really is horrific. I mean, I think the media stir up a, a lot of this stuff. Um, obviously, we know the race of the people that have been uh, targeted. It'd be nice to also know the uh, if there is a particular group who, is, who are targeting them. You know, sometimes that can be uh, a migration issue, and we're finding that again and, and again. You know, quite often you'll hear if there is some black on, sorry, some white on black crime. It's just, you know, a crime, but when it's white and when it's, when the, you know, when the polls shift, if you will, um, they'll, they'll tell you who it was. So it tends to be one way traffic when it comes to racial crime. You know, if one group does it to another, they'll report it as it is. And otherwise, it's just another crime. But again, um, I think you can read between the lines with what I'm saying there. But um, let's just hope that uh, this stops. And uh, again, if the situation can be rectified, and wouldn't it be nice if America grew some balls and actually went over and spoke to the Israelis and said, enough is enough, let's stop this. And then I think the violence would probably stop around the world. But uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, I think he's just getting started. He's actually gone, and gone ahead and said that, you know, he's not going to stop. Um, and many suggesting that he's just going to try and reclaim that entire what was Palestine for Israel. So it'll be very interesting. And of course, um, that's no justification for it. But this is what what's happening. And again, this is why we need to step in as a global society and stop this madness now. Yeah, and talking about demographics, actually, there was a small breakdown of the demographics. The majority of the attacks were carried out by white people, but then the second group uh, were, were of Arab, Arab descent. Um, that, that's the kind of demographic we're looking at here in the UK, at least. Um, but of course, yeah, it is, it is a question of like politicians and world leaders uh, fueling and the media. You're quite right, fueling the polarization of the debate, and 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 then then people finding an outlet for the emotions that they're feeling, uh, just taking it out on other people. Who you know, people are not policies. 
Uh, and this this is why I think, you know, the, the both both political parties this morning here in the UK, where we are now, uh, are, are saying, look, we, we, we're going to do what we can. Um, there has been no detail outlining that at all. And, and how, how, you know, sometimes by definition, you, have, you can only stop it once it's happened. And also the interesting thing is that these are the recorded, you know, the 147% spike in these attacks are the recorded crimes by police. What about the ones that go unreported and we never hear about? Yeah, and there'd be a lot of them. This is a, a very much a tightrope issue for politicians as well, because, you know, there used to be these very clear lines of what were what was a left wing thing and what was a right wing thing, quite possibly. But when it comes to this um, and you have a lot of people on the left who are absolutely anti-Israel and yet the politicians are walking a fine line because a lot of them uh, are rather subservient to, especially in America, to uh, interest over in Israel as well. So it's a fine line that they walk. Anthony Albanese here, um, you know, is very, finding it very difficult because most of his supporters are of the left. Uh, he, there he is with his apparently pro-Israel stance, but he can't, he can't get out there and put, make that too public. So it's a very fine line they're walking in. It's one of the very few issues that I've come across in recent decades that has found people crossing the lines politically of where you would typically find them. It's a very uh, contentious thing. And but again, I think the ultimate outcome is for this to be resolved as soon as possible. Quite right, Dean. Thank you, Gemma Cooper. I'm going to be talking to, after the break, Craig Kelly. Uh, he is the director, of national director, in fact, of the United Australia Party, and will be joining us right here at TNT. TNT's Jason Olborn. Al Gore can't get a single thing right, and yet he gets another chance, for example, to uh, come out and tell us that if we don't do this, we're all going to be dead. And yet now we're learning that uh, in Ireland, for example, they're going to slaughter 200,000 cattle for the climate. I mean, aren't they doing it to us anyway, one way or another, whether we they pretend that we're heating up the world, we're all gonna burn out, or if we starve, isn't it the same result that, they, that they're setting out to do? Well, this has got nothing to do with climate. It's got nothing to do with the environment. Uh, this is a new scam, and it's a case of follow the money. Al Gore has become a multi-billionaire from frightening, frightening people witless about a mythical climate change. And if you only looked into the past, you'd see that the variation that we're currently enjoying today is far less than previous variations. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. When a crisis hits close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines ready to serve. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. The demand for charitable services has skyrocketed, and nonprofits are rising to meet the needs. Healing, nurturing, rescuing, honoring, protecting, caring, inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations of all sizes across all missions has never been more important. And it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you. Together, we change the world. The Nonprofit Alliance. The Net Zero Con will leave millions of citizens dependent on state handouts. It isn't a theory, it's an agenda. There is no climate emergency. On air 24 7. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
And welcome back. Don't forget, last December, Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February 20 and 21 in the UK High Court. And they're going to determine whether he has the permission to appeal or whether he'll be extradited to the United States. Now, TNT will be there at the Royal Courts of Justice broadcasting and covering the entire two days if required. And uh, TNT will broadcast from various locations throughout London. Also, the London premiere of The Trust for Julian Assange will be at Rio Cinemas on Sunday the 18th of February at 1pm. Uh, the film will be followed by a panel discussion and Q&A with Tariq uh, Ali. Uh, Kristen Hrafnan is going to be there and also hopefully Stella Assange will be there as well. To find out more, you, all you have to do is Google the trust for Julian Assange London premiere and you'll find out all about it. Uh, the direct national director of the United Australia Party, a man who needs no introduction to anyone here at TNT is my next guest, uh, Mr. Craig Kelly. How are you going? Hey, good. Great to be with you, Dean. It's, it's pretty good when you're that popular. You don't need a, uh, an, an intro. <laughs> it saves me five minutes worth of work. Mate. And literally everyone knows who you are, what you've done, and we are all very, very appreciative of it. And as would anybody be at the moment who finds themselves without a home, we find ourselves in a situation we've never had in this country before. And I would say the uh, current Labor government has a hell of a lot to uh, answer for. Look, they, they certainly do. Uh, we had an incredible number, 737,000 people migrate to this country in the last 12 months. So if you go out on the streets into a shopping centre, it's something like one in every 32 people have arrived here in the last uh, 12 months. And we've done this in the middle of a housing crisis when before we had this rate of migration, we couldn't house all our own people. And now we've tipped another 733,000 people into the place. I think it's net when you take away the people that have gone back, gone back home, something like five, half a million plus people extra into the country. Yeah. Uh, and Mate, we I... haven't got the housing for them. So it, it's like a game of reverse musical chairs that you basically, uh, you know, the, the game we played as kids where you played the music and the music stopped and they took a chair away and everyone scrambled to the chair. Well, it's like that, the same thing. But instead we're putting more and more people into the game and not enough chairs out for people to live. So what yeah. this has done, this has had a, a massive um, uh, spike in rents. Now, it's great if, if you own multiple properties like uh, Mr Albanese and many of the politicians, or actually the majority of politicians in Canberra. This is fantastic. You know, you're, getting, you're getting more return for your rental property. But the problem it is the people actually have to pay the rents. We heard that case today. I think it's on news.com. Uh, a woman up in, uh, up in Queensland uh, was paying $600 a week rent. Uh, couldn't afford to pay it because she lost a job, and the rent's gone up to nine hundred something dollars a week. So she finds herself homeless at forty-four years of age. She can't find a home in this country. She can't find an affordable place to rent, and this it's is happening all over the place. We've had a spokesman in the housing industry say, "Oh, the the solution is caravans." Oh. So under under the Albanese policies of the Albanese government, the housing solution is to house people in caravans and get people to live in sort of like you know, a bundle up. Let's have caravan cities everywhere. That's the Albanese government, and that's in a country with, with the vast wide plains that we have here in Australia. It, it is a greatest cock-up of mismanaged policy, mismanagement you'd ever see. And to think the, you know, the, the stress that that poor woman must be under, to be 44 years of age, and to thinking you are likely to be homeless for the rest of your life. And this is facing tens of thousands of Australians today. 
and all goes back because of uh, uh, Albanese's failed economic policies and the coalition are just to, just as much to blame that they prop the economy up artificially by this giant Ponzi scheme of migration. It is it is look it, it, it is war upon the working uh, families and working class of this nation. Uh, but what it's also done is not only harming the you know, people working and trying to pay rent, it is destroying the Australian great Australian dream. Young kids today see how housing prices are spiraling upwards. Now, it's great if you own multiple homes, but if you're trying to get yourself in there, if you're a young person growing up in Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane, and you look at the cost of buying even like a, the most dumpy place that you can get, uh, it's simply unaffordable for you. Yeah, and it's so not you bad because the situation it... instead of having a chance of owning part of Australia as your own that you call your call it your own, the Australian dream that we fought so hard for to develop and was the and the fundamental principles of the of Menzies and the development of the Liberal Party was the fundamental principle to make sure people have the opportunity to own your own home in, in a couple of uh, years. Uh, the Labor Party, especially the Liberal Party, just as bad to blame, have taken that away from Australians. Yeah, and it plays into you now all those people that have investment properties are people who bought them back when you know you could get a home in the western suburbs for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So not only will our own kids not be able to afford a house moving forward in this country, it's blocked investment because who wants to go? I mean, I remember buying my first house, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You could rent that for two hundred dollars a week. Do the equation. That same house is now one point one million dollars. You might get six or seven hundred for it. So the return on investment is much lower. So not only will our kids not be able to have homes, they probably won't be home investors. And again, I mean, it's such an obvious Ponzi scheme. They're propping it up um, as best they can. But when it falls, it is going to be one hell of a that's big right. bang. And that's the other problem you've created. All this sort of wealth in the housing prices is all artificial. So you've got the growth of the economy is all based on this artificial wealth as a Ponzi scheme, which has to eventually collapse. And then you've got the problem, how do you manage the collapse when it actually comes? Firstly, we've got to cut migration back. We've got to cut it back, you know, drastically cut it back to if we can't, whatever the number of houses that we can build in a year, taking forward the shortfall that we have, that's got to be where your migration levels are set or even lower than that. So that's got to be the first policy that we adopt. Secondly, we've got to get back to the policies of decentralisation. This idea that we see of these, uh, you know, all these bureaucrats uh, and all these politicians that everyone should live like a battery hen in a high-rise, you know, chicken coop, uh, you know, a dog box in, in Sydney or Melbourne, sort of cooped you know, on top of each other in high-rise apartments. I think in a country like Australia is madness. It might work in places like Hong Kong and Macau. Where there's limits of land and you need and you have to do that but in a country like australia now where families should be ha able to have the enjoyment of their own backyard i uh, want to have everyone living in these high-rise apartments which they'll turn into 15 minute or 30 minute cities is is, is really the exact opposite of the way that we should, should be going and we should be out the government policy should be aimed to reinvigorate many of these country towns like you drive through these country towns today and a lot of them had more prosperity 100 years ago than they did today when you looked through the main streets. Yep. Like let's let's this is with our policy. Let's set um, different taxation rates for regional areas. Let's move a lot of the the government services out of the city into these regional areas. Like let's let's put boost into them. So if you've got all that, let's improve the transport links so you can get whether it's Sydney to Goulburn or Sydney to uh, Orange or Bathurst or Sydney up to Port Macquarie. You can make that trip 
are quicker and faster. They're the things that we should be doing. But instead, it's, it's the op. We're doing the exact opposite, massive centralisation and massive continued takes of migration into the country. Yep, mate, couldn't agree more. We've got a short news break to get to, then we'll be back with Craig Kelly, who is the National Director of the United Australia Party. Some terrific uh, policies that he's advocating for, a whole bunch of common sense, something that we're not used to hearing when it comes to mainstream politics. But this man, Craig Kelly, is absolutely, just has an abundance of it, as does the UAP. And let's give full credit, so does One Nation as well. And why we don't have these parties in power is beyond me, but I think we're getting to the point imminently where Australia is going to wake up. The straw that shall imminently break the camel's back will result in people such as Craig Kelly um, getting back in the mainstream politics and common sense reasserting itself. We'll talk to him a bit more at the after this break here at TNT. TNT Radio Live. The station, the first to broadcast. Breaking news. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. According to a report by journalist Michael Schellenberger, Matt Taibbi, and Alex Gutentag, the U.S. intelligence community, notably the CIA, allegedly coordinated with the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance to surveil associates of Donald Trump well before the 2016 election's official investigation start. Ukraine has shifted its military strategy from offensive to defensive operations, according to General Alexander Sirsky in an interview with German TV channel ZDF. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk this is TNT Radio. And we are back with United Australia Party National Director Craig Kelly. And by the way, if you're not already on X, get on the X, if not only just to follow this man, uh, Mr. Craig Kelly. Mate, lots going on. Um, the housing market. I was absolutely positive. Every common sense, logical thing said after the pandemic, with all the inflation, with all the prices going up and the housing market had to crumble. It did a little bit for a while, and then it reasserted itself. And again, the only way they could have done that was by bringing in, you know, massive, massive amounts of people. I thought 200,000 a year was ridiculous for a country with a population of only 26 uh, point something million, million people. And here they are ramping it up to almost a million people a year. Wow. Well, the, the numbers uh, are simply out of control. These are numbers that the government has in their power uh, to put some type of cap or regulation on and there's undermining look it's you, you go and jump on a train in sydney the train's crowded the roads try and drive into uh you know from out the west of sydney uh yeah at campbelltown way the expressway into into the city is bumper bar to bumper bar at five o'clock in the morning wow it's it's because people are trying to beat the trying to beat the traffic sort of surge from like the 7 30 to 8 30 uh, surge uh, it, it's blocked all the time um it's pushing up the cost of cost of living for people. So you've got the, the cost of living aspect. You've got the lack of amenities. So your hospitals are more crowded. Right? Yeah, you're waiting longer uh, for an ambulance. Uh, you know, you've got more crowding in the in in the schools, on the trains, uh, in all the transport areas. So the the average person's quality of life in our major cities is declining, as they're being forced to pay more and more for rent. 
And then the Reserve Bank goes, oh, look, you know, uh, we've got a look at all this inflation that's happening. Let's let's push up interest rates. <laughs> so that puts another, you know, and, and what's so the businesses, oh, and then this is the craziness of the Reserve Bank, but this idea that you can manipulate the economy by you know, mucking around with the interest rates. So if you're a business, one of your biggest costs is borrowing. So as the Reserve Bank puts up interest rates to reduce the price of supposedly reduce the price of goods, you as a business think, hang on, I've got to get a bigger profit margin, so I'm going to push my prices up. Yeah. It's completely you know, counter counterproductive what it is. It's, it, it's not the policy is not working. The interest rate is put, the interest that we see is because of excessive government spending and this madness, this mad pursuit that we see that Chris Bowen is leading are trying to close down all our coal-fired power stations. But, you know, look, I did some of the numbers the other week at the rally in Canberra. So today, as we speak since here today, China has 132 gigawatts under active construction today. We as a country have 21 gigawatts in total. We plan to close it all down. China is building another 132. So they are building today, they're having construction today six times our total fleet. They already have 50 times what we have to start with, and they're building another six times what we are well, we're closing it down, and to think we can run the economy on uh, a competitive economy on solar panels and wind turbines, it's just pushing up the price of electricity and it transfers, it makes Australian industry less competitive and is a wealth transfer straight out of this country over to the communist Chinese. It really makes you wonder the Chinese must look at the Western world and try not to laugh in our face because no, everything that they see to- us doing, yeah. Right not to laugh, I reckon they'd look at fools like uh, Blackout Bowen and they'd be <laughs> chuckling their heads off. Yeah. This man, what this man is actually doing, remember, the solar panels and wind turbine parts are all made in China. So when he puts puts all these regulations in, oh, we've got to get rid of our coal-fired power stations, uh, all, all, all the components of the batteries, all the solar panels, all the wind turbines, that's money that goes out, that's container loads of money that gets loaded up on walls in Australia and sent off to China and return we get back Chinese solar panels, which is supposed to make us, you know, we'll have this fantastic, you know, uh, green economy. It'll be a green superpower with Chinese solar panels. It is cloud cuckoo land stuff. And and at the end of the day, even if you are the greatest believer that you control the clock, there's a control knob that controls the bad weather called CO2. If you're a believer, a devotee of those prophecies, Nothing we do in Australia, that policy, when we're closing things down in China, opening, you're not even moving the knob to, to do anything. Yeah, I completely agree. And they must be laughing at the Australian voters because, I mean, to have us advocate each time we go back to the polls for one of two groups, both who seem to be accomplishing the, the same sort of nonsense these days when it comes to, you know, these environmental policies, one slightly more extreme than the other. But, uh, mate, and again, ignoring the big thing, I think the biggest problem we've got in this country, as you uh, alluded to you know, in the beginning, is mass migration. We have to say no. We have to vote for a party that's going to put a stop to that. We have to, uh, you know, take some time to reassert where we're at and see what's working, see what isn't, and uh, why we haven't done that 10, 15 years ago is beyond me, but it's getting to the point now. And it's certainly not a not a racial thing. I think most of the people who have recently arrived would say, wow, look around Sydney, enough's enough. Thanks for letting me come, but I don't want any more. Right. I think I think they would say that, absolutely. That's exactly right. If you remember when we had the, going back to Tony Abbott in 2013, the stop the boats policy had the greatest support in Western Sydney where there was the highest demographic of yep. migrants than yep. anywhere else. That's where it had the support. Where it doesn't have the support, 
is in sort of like the leafy, leafy suburbs of uh, uh, the North Shore, uh, you know, or the eastern suburbs, uh, where everyone is woke and more enlightened sort of thing. But, of course, they don't have all the migrants. Right? All the migrants <laughs> come out of Western Sydney. You start dumping some high-rise apartments up on the North Shore and watch how they start screaming sort of thing. I, the, the, there's something that I never hear, and I don't want to open a can can of worms by, by mentioning it, but, I mean, here we were, we, you know, we just had this uh, referendum. It was an overwhelming no. But, uh, you know, the a lot of the Indigenous who are like, you know, white man, you stole our land, you would think they would be absolutely devastated that that land is continuing to be given away to 750,000 people. They should be the most vocal group, possibly the most vocal group against mass immigration. But I don't hear them, not a word from them in that particular regard. We, we have to make sure we have to get the message out loud and clear. Uh, we're now a little over a year away from the next elections. Uh, on the, I'd say, on the conservative side, we've got a lot of, um, you know, sort of smaller parties. We've got to get our act together. Uh, we've got to unite, and we've got to put forward a uh, a clear alternate to what the Labor and Liberal parties are offering, and that will be one around lower migration, two around ending uh, net zero, three exiting the World Health Organization, these globalist bodies, and I could go on and on and on about the policies that we'd have. But they would be the main things. Unless we tackle net zero, and unless we tackle the migration a policy, this, this insane Ponzi scheme of migration, the quality of life, uh, the type of Australia that we knew growing up is something that uh, our grandkids and great-grandkids will never experience. Mate, and, of course, the WHO working tirelessly with new amendments and addendums and whatnot, you know, to their absolutely just a diabolical policies. I was talking to a, a lawyer in uh, New Zealand yesterday who did their version of a Freedom of Information Act and couldn't even find out what those amendments were. Here they are making submissions based on whether to accept this or not, and they don't even know what it is that they have to accept, mate. It is sheer lunacy, something we can talk about next time. Craig Kelly, mate, thanks for coming on the program. Always appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next time. Great, team. Great to be with you. Thanks. And every, everybody give that man your support because he supported you when you needed it most. Craig Kelly, he is the National Director of the United Australia Party and one of our regulars here at TNT. We'll be talking to Jeremy Beck right here in just a short moment. Stick around. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. What a dink! Nikki Haley had a record fundraising month in January. January ended last Wednesday. And last Wednesday was the day that Nikki was in Miami Beach meeting with a Democrat billionaire mega donor. Yeah, I'm sure those three things had nothing to do with each other. Right. Tell you something else that has nothing to do with anything. And that's Democrat politicians with R's after their name, like Nikki, like Chris Christie, like Lindsey Graham, like Mitt Romney, like Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, you know the type. And Republican values. And yet, all of them claim that they are in politics to preserve and uphold Republican values. Now, if you want genuine Republican values, you've got to look at Donald Trump, at the America First agenda. You've got to look at what Make America Great Again really means. It means a rising tide lifts all boats. It means prosperity for regular workaday people, not just elites whose values are more in line with Davos than with those in the Dakotas. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. 
They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And welcome back. We'll be talking to Jeremy Beck in just a minute. Now, TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others say they do. Uh, TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do here, crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from the mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. So we're now appealing to you, our many friends out there in radio land, if you could uh, find uh, us to go Sorry, I'll just start that bit again. Uh, we're appealing to you, our friends out there and supporters around the world, to go to the tntradio.live site. And if you can, make a small donation. The other thing you can do is raise awareness. Tell other people that we're here and get them to go do the same. Because as we are seeking the right investors to carry on our mission, in the meantime, if you could do that, we would absolutely love it and really do appreciate it. But the very other important thing is spread the word because we need more people to be hearing the truth. And you're really not going to get it in much other places, certainly not in a live 24-hour um, uh, format such as this. Just not going to happen anywhere else. Now, Jeremy Beck, he is a producer here at TNT. He's an independent political and media consultant. He's got decades of experience in studying and writing about globalization, and he's covered uh, many related subjects, including COVID-19, climate change alarmism, the World Economic Forum. He's got a degree with honours in mechanical engineering and computing. I didn't know about the computing part. There you go. I've read that and hadn't noticed. Uh, hence why he would know many of the things that I know, uh, being an IT, I won't say the word geek, he's a tremendous fella, let's hear it for the wonderful Jeremy Beck, hey mate, how are you? Yeah, good Dean, good to be here again. Yeah, there's uh, plenty going on in the world at the moment. I thought I'd start off with a, a story based on weapons in space. According to new US intelligence, Russia wants to put nuclear weapons in space to obliterate Western satellites. Uh, now, it sounds really horrifying if you really believe the mainstream media. Of course, we don't. Uh, but this was revealed hours after the House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner publicly said Congress had information on what he describes as a serious national security threat. Um, but uh, not all uh, are so concerned about it. But he called on the Biden administration to declassify information on this. There are several media reports out all over the place uh, warning some alarm. Uh, of course, not all are alarmed, or certainly not on the surface. Uh, House Speaker Mike Johnston, uh, he says that there's no need for panic. He says, I want to assure the American people there is no need for public alarm. We are going to work together to address this matter as we do all sensitive matters that are classified. And beyond that, 
I'm not at liberty to disclose uh, classified information and really can't say much more. Um, well, because cause if they do, we could call them out on it. Mate, I, I found a little bit of red plastic on my desk when you told me what they said. It was the needle on my BS meter just broke. It snapped because, mate, that just sounded like immediate BS, didn't it? The second we heard it. It certainly did. As soon as I read the headline, uh, that just, you know, put the, the BS meter, you know, in alarm bells. <laughs> uh, you know, look, it, it's interesting, the timing of this too, because we've just had this interview with Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin, uh, which certainly has infuriated the military industrial complex and people get to hear Putin, who really sounds fairly calm and measured, yeah. not the sort of uh, crazy uh, dictator that we're led to believe. Uh, so interesting, the timing here. Uh, but if we know the facts here, Russia and the United States are both parties to the Outer Space Treaty of 1967, which prohibits uh, all the signers of this treaty of placing in orbit around the Earth any objects carrying nuclear weapons or any other kinds of weapons of mass destruction. Uh, so there's no indication that uh, there is any risk from either side. I, I would also point out that uh, this has been a, an ongoing concern, obviously, since the Cold War. Uh, there, there was a lot of concern, well, even going back to the Cuban Missile Crisis, but particularly, you know, once uh, we went into the space race, uh, this, uh, and particularly in the 1980s, there was there was a huge amount of concern. And then we had this program called the Strategic Defence Initiative, which was popularly known as the Star Wars program, which was a, a proposed missile defense system intended to protect the world from attack by ballistic strategic nuclear weapons, including the ICBMs, that's the International Continental Ballistic Missiles, and the submarine launch missiles. Now, the program, it didn't go ahead, but I do know a fair bit about it. Uh, I know that the presidential candidate, Lyndon LaRouche, was a key person driving the, the whole initiative. If you just do a Google and look on a Wikipedia page of Star Wars or the Strategic Defence Initiative, you won't see one word of Lyndon LaRouche. They've just pretty much whitewashed him out. What do you expect from Wikipedia? Yeah. Um, but Lyndon LaRouche played a significant role in that. Uh, and... President Reagan at the time adopted it in 1983 in a speech that he made in March 1983. Uh, and it was intended to protect all nations for joint cooperation between the Soviets and the United States. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, various elements of the deep state on both sides, there's some nasty elements in the Soviet communist side, nasty elements in the deep state in the United States. They, Henry Kissinger's crowd, the, the whole lot were just terrified with this proposal that we would have world peace. You know, God forbid, it's, you know, we don't want world peace, we want continual war. That Obviously, the military-industrial complex would say that. Um, and uh, it was uh, scuttled, the whole program, but it was intended, certainly Lyndon LaRouche intended it, for world peace so that we wouldn't have this constant threat of nuclear war from space. But the idea was to use space to knock out the nuclear weapons before they actually caused any harm. Yeah, mate, I remember the whole Star Wars thing, you know, many years ago. And of course, in if this was actual Star Wars, like the movie, uh, we would have, uh, I would suggest Vladimir Putin would be Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
I think he'd be the good guy in this equation. And the Western, you know, uh, uh, whole industry of military would be, make, in fact, they would make Darth Vader look like Mary Poppins, the people who, who run that particular show, the military industrial complex of the West and the money. And even our old mate ScoMo, the peace would be a dirty word for him at the moment, knowing how much money he's going to make out of all these AUKUS deals. So, I mean, the world's just gone mad. But uh, I think after the weapons of mass distraction and uh, a million people dead um, as a result of that, I think we've woken up. I think our BS meter is finely tuned these days and especially even more so after the last four years. Exactly, Dean. And I just look at headlines and I don't even have to read an article. I can just see from the mainstream yep. media headlines uh-uh, <laughs> there's, yes. there's something wrong here. <laughs> and and uh, time and time again, look, uh, people still fall for it. Uh, and getting on to my next story, uh, people are still falling for the, the COVID hysteria. But um, fortunately, this is a, a somewhat of a good news story in, in that the, the rules are being relaxed. Uh, now, Americans testing positive for COVID-19 will no longer be told to stay at home for five days under these new rules, which are proposed by the CDC. That's the Center for Disease Control. Um, now, this will be the first time since 2021 that the CDC has loosened its isolation recommendations. So uh, I think that that's, you know, why didn't this happen ages ago? Why did we ever have this whole scamdemic in the first place. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so under the new proposal, uh, people would decide when to end isolation based on their own symptoms and wouldn't need to stay home if they have uh, been fever-free for at least 24 hours without medication. Uh, uh, now, in Australia, uh, isolation is no longer a legal requirement, but the Australian government continues to recommend that people who test positive to COVID-19, stay at home and avoid contact with people who are at higher risk of severe disease. And those who test positive for COVID-19 should also avoid high risk settings like hospitals and care facilities for at least uh, seven days, they say, according to the Australian government, or until symptoms have gone. But in Australia, uh, it's very much state-based. So that's a federal government recommendation, but it's very much state-based and various states have their own healthcare advisory policies. But fortunately, we're starting to see the end of this hysteria. But, you know, why did it take so long, Dean? Well, I would suggest money, money, money. I think Abbott should have written a song about that. They may well have done so. Mate, you know, you've got this CDC. Um, I mean, have a look at, here I was having to renounce my dual citizenship to run as a federal politician here in Australia, and that being British, um, as if any of us who have dual citizenship would be some sort of double agent. But here you are, if you're in the CDC, you can have questionable dual citizenship. In fact, most of the ones running the CDC do. Um, money, 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 follow the money, see where the money goes. And I think a lot of questions will be answered. Uh, mate, it's almost as if uh, the COVID virus has a Google calendar and says, well, as of this date, I'll stop infecting people. You can relax now. Everything's cool. And just gives the green light for the next big scam that they got going. And let's just hope that people have learned enough over the last four years to not fall for that. Certainly hope so, Dean. And when you consider that, you know, back during the, the height of the so-called pandemic, we had lines and lines of people queuing up to, to get tested and, 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 and all this is about potentially, okay, if we get tested positive, then we go into isolation. But hang on, people were lining up 
<laughs> all close together. They're, they're meant to be socially distanced, but they weren't always. Oh, it's okay. They were five metres apart. The virus knows when to stop, remember? Oh, oh, exactly. You know, what if you had a gust of wind and, and the virus blows? Oh, it's going to stop before five metres. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as if it somehow knew that magical number. And as I said to you um, earlier today, it was exactly like the mad cow disease. And they couldn't figure out how it was getting from one farm to another. It was the bloody inspectors walking it in on their boots. And it reminded me so much of these idiots. And they were... For the bulk idiot, some had to do it just to, uh, you know, to uh, get a pass or a, a, a whatever to get to work. But for those who didn't, these idiots who lined up for this kind of thing remind me of those inspectors going from mad cow farm to mad cow farm, you know, just infecting the next one as they went. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many scare stories about diseases now. In, in the case of that, if uh, diseases spread through, you know, uh, people walking things through, through their shoes, uh, that's that's one case uh i'm thinking of in terms of covid how did most people catch covid i don't think it was person to person the evidence that i've seen that most best explains the situation is atmospheric spread because you had ships out in the middle of the ocean people got tested or the whole crew the, the whole passengers were all tested uh and they're all negative and then they're out at sea for many many days or weeks and then suddenly the ship comes down with COVID-19. Now, how did that happen? Uh, yeah. So it, it makes much more sense that it came from atmospheric spread. And, and if you listen to Professor Ted Steele, uh, who I believe you you certainly know uh, what he's had to say, and many TNT uh, listeners and watchers will certainly know about Professor Ted Steele and the whole theory there. And I, I don't have time to go into details there, but that makes far more sense then all this hysteria about catching person to person uh, and then all this isolation story. I mean, we were just driven crazy over, you know, oh, you've got to stay at home, you can't visit anyone, and it was all based on lies. Ships out at sea catching COVID. Middle, in the middle of nowhere, down at Antarctica, people were catching COVID. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> How you, you are can't they going to get up. down at Antarctica? It, it it just made no sense, Dean. Mate, mate, the worst part is, you know, um, all the the thinking, the rational, the level-headed people, um, we didn't have uh, any kind of fear during COVID except for when we thought they might come knocking on our door and, you know, inject this experimental crap into us. But apart from that, from the actual virus itself, none of us were worried. There was no evidence it was going to hurt any of us. None of us knew anybody who died who wasn't literally at death's door from something else, something natural anyway. So, mate, the whole thing was just ramped up beyond belief. Um, but it did teach me a lot about people. It taught me a lot. I thought I understood human psychology to a point where I, it was sufficient, but it taught me so much more how easily uh, people that I had considered previously to be quite intelligent will succumb to a false narrative when there is an element of fear. And it even prevents, it's like a, a snowball where it prevents them from analysing said fear and then the fear grows because they've stopped analysing it. It's just nuts. But obviously the people behind this whole uh, charade, and it is a, a scam, charade, whatever you want to call it, mate, they they knew that. They understood psychology at that level, and this whole thing was a massive psyop. It was a money earner. And unfortunately, I think it's something far more insidious than that as well. But only time will prove if I'm right, and I'd love to be wrong about that. Exactly right. I had a very similar experience, Dean. People I thought were very sane, who were level-headed on many other issues, 
And the fear just totally took over. You know, they, they were just terrified that they, they were going to die and be the, the next one in, in an overcrowded hospital. But they weren't overcrowded hospitals. It was a lie. The hospitals were half empty. Uh, when they should have had patients in there seeing their cancer or whatever else they needed to be seen for, but they were stuck at home. And many people, unfortunately, would have died from, uh, you know, some disease that didn't get seen soon enough as it should have been. Yeah, mate, the thing that really worries me, we've only got a few seconds, is just how many cancer doctors are now speaking up about these turbo cancers in young people. They've never seen it before, ever, ever. You know, they know the demographic, you know, they know the rules and the rules are all being broken time after time. Jeremy Beck, we've run out of time. Thank you for coming on the program. We'll talk again very soon. We've got Sonia Poulton coming up straight after this. So stick around here at TNT um, and we'll catch you tomorrow and have a terrific day.